We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. This week we have been in Daniel chapter 11. I hope you've been reading this week. And if you'll turn there with me, you're going to need your Bibles today. We're going to read from Daniel 11, and then we're going to look at several other texts today as well. But let's start, and we're going to read a section of Daniel 11, verse 36 through 40. So let's look together, Daniel 11, 36 through 40. And again, I'll try to read slow, or maybe you can read along with me. So this then is the text for today. Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. But instead, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. He will take action against the strongest of fortresses with the help of a foreign god. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him, and he will cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out land for a price. At the end time, the king of the south will collide with him, and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, and with many ships, and he will enter countries, overflow them, and pass through. May God bless the reading of his word. There's a difficult question at this point in the book of Daniel. Is he writing about Antiochus Epiphanes, or is he writing about the Antichrist? Most of Daniel chapter 11 is a prophetic marvel clearly delineating the history of the world from about around about 539 B.C. to about 165 B.C. There's about 400 years of history covered in some 40 verses. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that here today. It would take us too long, but I am going to give you some names to look up if you're interested, if you want to study that history later. You see, in verses 2 and 3, we move from the Persian Empire, this great empire that Cyrus had built and passed down, and we move from the Persian Empire to Alexander the Great. In verses 5 and 6, you read about the north and the south, and the north coming against the south, and, and this isn't a civil war, but a regional war where Israel is caught in the middle. And in in the north, you see coming from the region of Syria, the south, you see coming from the region of Egypt, you see in in the north, the, the rulers became known as the Seleucid dynasty, in the south, the Ptolemies. So if you want to see that history, there's some 400 years of history, those are the names that we look up. But then we get to verse 21, and there's a seismic shift in verse 21. 
You see, even from early church history, they begin to see Daniel, 21, or Daniel 11, verse 21, as something different. There's a terrible ruler, the worst of kings. Few even wondered if we're beginning to see the Antichrist. Most likely, in verse 21, we're talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was one who could not have been worse to the Jewish people. In fact, if we, we jump from the time of Daniel to, to sometime around about 167 B.C., you'll find that Antiochus, who changed his name to Antiochus Epiphanes, which, which changed his name to mean God manifest, saying, I am God. You bow down to me. You pray to me. That's where his leadership went. And he changed the law so that you would receive the death penalty for essentially being Jewish. You would receive the death penalty for circumcision. You would receive the death penalty for studying the Torah. You would receive the death penalty for following the kosher food laws. But even all of that, worse than all of that, Antiochus went into Jerusalem and he went into the temple and he desecrated the temple. The first thing that Antiochus Epiphanes did was he built a fort that was right next to touching the temple where he, he and his soldiers could look over the temple and bring fear unto the people that were walking in to worship and they could guard the door from their fort. But even worse than that, he, he built up an idol in the temple, and in the temple itself, he built an idol to a god like Zeus. And then he went to the altar of the temple and slaughtered a pig there as a sacrifice. You see, verse 21 begins a description of this leader, pointing to this abomination of a leader. But then as we move into verse 36 and into verse 40, we have another twist. And some say as we move to the end of Daniel, now we're starting to see the end, the coming of an antichrist. And so it's, it's worth our time here to move forward. And it's worth our time to look into the New Testament and what the New Testament says about an antichrist. Will you look at me at 1 John to begin? So if you go at 1 John, you, you see this language of antichrist and you move into the second letter uh, of John as well, you see this language of antichrist. But let's look at what the scripture says about this one. So, 1 John 2, and we're going to read 17 through 22. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who, who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. Just as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. There is an evil one at the end who is coming. But even now, and so hear this, this is what many of us miss, is that even now, this is where 1 John goes, even now many antichrists have appeared, and from this we know that it is the last hour. So there's not just one, there is the antichrist at the end, but until then there are all these other kinds of antichrists leading up to the one at the end. So keep, keep working down through here. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would, would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. So you get the description of who the Antichrist is and and all of these who sort of lead up to the Antichrist, all these little Antichrists, what they do, they deny Jesus Christ. They deny that he is Savior. They deny that he is Lord. They They deny his divinity. They deny his humanity. They say Jesus is not who he says he was. And anyone who claims such a thing as that, they are an Antichrist of their own. In fact, as you move over, you can look back or flip over to 2 John. In 2 John, just to verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Those that are denying the Christ, they are an antichrist. You see, there's two concepts here. An antichrist and the antichrist. And there are all kinds of people who fill the bill of an antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes is a perfect example of an antichrist. Whoever denies God, whoever denies Jesus Christ, they are antichrists. And see, there have been moments in all of our lives when we have behaved as an antichrist, denying God's lordship over our lives. Anytime we have separated ourselves of God, anytime we have decided that our way is better than God's way, anytime that we have said no to God and we have denied him in our hearts and in our lives, we are as an antichrist. Now maybe there's another passage that's better for us here. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians doesn't use that same language, but points to the same one. And so let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed from the Lord who will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And so there's a scholarly debate going on here around Daniel chapter 11. When we get to Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, is Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talking about the same individual. You can read them again for your own discernment. Is this the same one or is it another? But see, as you do, we need to remember one thing. does not matter if Daniel 11 and 2 Thessalonians 2 are talking about the same individual. Whether it is or it isn't, your response is still the same. And that's what we have to work through this morning. How is God shaping us through these texts? How is God calling us to obey through these uh, texts of apocalyptic literature? How, How is God calling the church? How is God calling the city? How is God calling you to be obedient unto him through these texts this morning? And there's a couple of important reminders from Jesus Christ himself on this matter. And I want to encourage you as we study through these texts and we study through Daniel 11 and 2 Thessalonians, 
that you would draw in near to the Christ because he is the answer. He is the answer to the Antichrist. He is the answer to who we are. He is the answer to how we respond. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life in this moment. And so when we're, when we're confused around Daniel chapter 11 or we're concerned or fearful about what's happening in the apocalyptic literature that we're reading, let's come into the Christ and say, show me your way, Father. And so turn with me to Matthew 24. Let's first look at at where Jesus talks about the end in Matthew 24. So if you'll look with me here, let's let's look down. And we're going to start in verse 40. So Jesus describes the end, Matthew 24, verse 40. Then there will be two men in a field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Jesus gives you some instruction here. Verse 42. Be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Jesus gives us our instructions here. Be ready. Be on the alert. Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's coming quickly. And it's in our response to him that we are ready today. We're not going to put that off until tomorrow. So, so much of our time and life is spent on this earth saying we'll get to that at a later time. We, we have other things that are urgent today. And Jesus Christ is reminding us this morning. This is where apocalyptic literature is pointing us is that we may not have another day the gift of life today is a gift of God that is not promised tomorrow the breath in your lungs comes from God so be ready today for the coming of the Christ that that's how you prepare for what's next now let's keep moving let's move over to the book of Mark gospel of Mark Mark chapter 13 I want to kind of run down through this chapter because Jesus gives us some other clear instructions about what's next, how we prepare, how we respond to even ones like the Antichrist. So Mark 13, verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, see to it, no one is misleading you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and mislead many. That's those like the Antichrist. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you into the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Jesus is saying here, again, be alert and be a witness. Be alert and be a witness. Part of the role of the church as we glorify God is a witness to his work and his wonder. He is saying as a church, we are to witness to the world, bringing all the nations this message and hope of the story of the gospel, the the birth and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Are we being witnesses to the ends of the earth? Because that's what Jesus has told us to do. He says, as you prepare for the end, as you prepare for what's coming, your role is be alert. Your role is to be a witness. So keep, keep moving. Then we get to verse 20. So it's Mark 13, verse 24. But in those days... After the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. 
Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send forth the angels, and he will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. And then move down to verse 32 and 33. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. So take heed, Jesus giving you instruction again, verse 33, take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. And there's one more, let's move to Luke 21. As we move over to Luke 21, we, we hear these words of Jesus reminding us that it is near. The end is near, the Christ is near. How are we going to respond this morning? So look at Luke 21, just 34 through 36. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed, weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness so that you won't be worried uh, with the worries of life. And that day will come, um, oh, excuse me, that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. He's telling us here, be ready. Be ready. Be near God in prayer and be on your knees. You see, we can be taken up and all kinds of speculations about what's next and who's next. But Jesus' word for us in the text is to get on your knees in prayer, to go before the Lord and say, I am yours. Shape me into to your likeness. Make me like you. Make me alert. Make me, help me to recognize, increase my faith so that I may see that your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is now and your kingdom is coming. Jesus is reminding us not, not to worry about the timing, not to worry about all these antichrists, not even worry about the antichrist, but to be ready today as if it is here. Be ready witnessing. Be ready praying. And God is going to handle the rest. You see, God is the one that has all of this under control. It doesn't matter whether there are many antichrists today or one antichrist coming because God will crush them under his thumb. God will wipe them out and, and all pain on this earth will be wiped out in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we will know new life in him. The unrighteous will fall away, but those who know Jesus Christ will be caught up and brought up into new life in him. You see, there is a future in store, a future with great hope, but only if you know Jesus Christ, only if you are near to him, only if we have repented and submitted our lives unto him. Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ this day? Have you surrendered your heart unto him? Because that's our response. That's how we move forward. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, you have given clear instruction, perfect reminders in your word and by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that you would take our hearts, 
break off the hardness, to soften them and mold them. Because, Lord, this morning we are surrendering our hearts and our lives and our schedules and our futures to you. Lord, we are surrendering them. We are handing them over to you and say, Lord, you take them. Make them right. And, Lord, we are going to obey you all the days of our lives. And it's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.